1: It's our weekend preview, our Super Bowl, Liverpool, Man City, Le Classique preview. There is so much action this weekend. We have Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson to discuss Super Bowl 55, Liverpool, Man City, Palmeiras against Tigres, Le Classique as Marseille face PSG games in La Liga, the Bundesliga Serie A, Roma against Juventus. My goodness, what a weekend. And we have it all right here. So begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to last So. Jimmy Conrad in the house, Jonathan Johnson later. It's Super Bowl weekend, Super Bowl LV, as the kids say, Super Bowl 55. Liverpool <laughs> against Man City, Palmeiras against Tigres. There's just so many games. Jimmy, how are you, bud?
2: I am excited. Uh, I'm curious about the Super Bowl because I feel like commercials are going to be more important than ever to keep us entertained throughout this game. I think it's going to be an entertaining game, don't get me wrong, but without a crowd, you know, without a proper halftime show, I'm curious to see how they keep the festivities and energy up during all the timeouts because we know there's like 3,000 timeouts in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good point about the commercials. Apparently, it's a record-setting price uh, fee that all these uh, companies uh, and brands have spent and, uh, you, you know, it doesn't shock me, right? Because uh, no. everybody's been at home. So they just want to see right. what good commercials can do. The other side of this, by the way, is let's see what the weekend uh, does uh, at the halftime show. They're going to have to do a lot to try and up Shakira and JLo last year.
2: 100%. I'm curious to see how he. I just want to see a Zoom video from the weekend, you know, for his halftime show, just because that's what we're all used to is talking to each other through Zoom these days.
1: Absolutely. And the (laughs) other thing, of course, by the way, is that uh, Amanda Gorman, uh, the Poet Laureate, uh, who just was amazing uh, in Inauguration Day, uh, she's going to be part of the festivities. I believe the pre -pre game, she'll she'll do something there. So that's going to be great. But anyway, Super Bowl 55. We thought everybody would be fun to, you know, mix both our worlds here. Right. Uh, Jimmy and I, just to do a little something before we preview all the games, of course, Liverpool, Man City, we're going to get into that. And, uh, you know, so many other matches, but we wanted to do a little bit of a sort of combining of uh, football and football uh, and and soccer and see what we can do here as a defending champion. Right. Kansas City Chiefs. That's correct. uh, Tries to uh, overcome Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the same time as Liverpool defending champion is trying to overcome Man City as their title hopes hang by a thread. But we're going to get really deep into that preview after the break when uh, Jonathan Johnson joins us later. But, Jimmy, Super Bowl, um, Liverpool, Man City. I thought we'd do something fun, everybody. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do some players, right, from, from both games. Uh, yeah. And I just want to see – I want to hear your soccer comparison, your football comparison. Uh, okay. right? So okay. I'll, give okay. a, I'll give you a player. And you tell me who you think would be the comparison from Liverpool, Man City, not just anywhere. Uh, you know, from specifically Liverpool. And by the way, if we say the same person, there's no, there's no shocker there. It's fine, right? Okay. okay. But I wanted to make it a little bit harder to make it just Liverpool, Man City players. And if you want to, Jimmy, they can even be legacy players. Anybody from even uh, wow. back in the day, legacy players. Yeah. So, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Liverpool Man City. Talk to me about who's the equivalent. So let's begin with the obvious first two. Let's begin with the defending champ. Let's begin with uh, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, Pat Mahomes. Who would be your equivalent uh, from a Liverpool Man City perspective?
2: So you need somebody who can change a game by himself, correct? I just want to make sure we're we're defining these players in the same way. Are are you on board with that, Luis? Yep. Okay. Uh, somebody who's already won a title. I think that's important. So Steven Gerrard, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. This is a tough one for me because he can do it all. M- maybe Kevin De Bruyne should be in the conversation. I think for sure. Uh, Raheem Sterling, I think should be in the conversation. Uh, game changers do it by themselves. Sadio Mane can be in the conversation. Mo Salah. You know, it's tough. It's a really tough one. I think, I think Kevin De Bruyne might be the right guy. You know, because he is so multifaceted, and you, he he makes plays where you're like, whole how did he do that?" You know, and I I think Mahomes falls into that. I don't know if any of those other players do that consistently or as consistently as Kevin De Bruyne.
1: Yep, I'm with you. Ding, ding, ding. uh I yes, believe I, I I think a few weeks ago when I was watching him uh, in the championship game, I was like, he does some things where it's just like, how does he even do that? And I feel like the closest one from either of those two teams, at least now is Kevin De Bruyne. Sometimes De Bruyne does things where you're just like, what? And they both seem like really nice human beings as well, which is also like another win, right?
2: Yeah. I think they've got good personalities. They seem to have good awareness and perspective, you know, that it's just a game at the end of the day. Uh, so I appreciate that. I, I will say that they, because they're both passers, Right, Excellent passers of the ball. I think think that's what tipped Kevin De Bruyne a little bit. Whereas the other guys we mentioned, Sterling, Mane, uh, not Aguero, um, Salah, are all a little bit more like they're trying to score the touchdowns by themselves in some ways. So I think Kevin De Bruyne is the best fit.
1: Yep, absolutely. Just decision makers, the architects, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Kevin De Bruyne would definitely be like a soccer version of a quarterback for sure. All right, from Pat Mahomes, let's go uh, to once again, Tom Brady. Uh, clearly one of the greatest, uh, who has ever played the game, perhaps even the greatest, uh, ever Tom Brady returning to the Super Bowl. who would be your soccer equivalent? And again, remember, cause he's this an old how- man now he's an old man. Now he doesn't he look old. it, but he's an old man uh, who would be your soccer equivalent from either of those two teams. Uh,
2: yeah. So, so if everybody's healthy and, and obviously has a great track record of success, somebody they've counted on to score big plays. I actually like Sergio Aguero. Mm -hmm. Um, to to be the Tom Brady. It would be nice if there was some type of equivalent of him having previous success winning titles somewhere else and then coming over to City to do the same thing. I know he had a great run at Atletico Madrid. I don't remember them winning a title when he was there, but he was very good. Uh, So I think he would be my best fit. I mean, you could see some shouts for... Captain material right the leaders so Steven Gerrard I think would come into it, but he had didn't win any titles, you know, he won a Champions League so I guess that has to be taken into consideration. Uh, Jordan Henderson, maybe you look at the captains uh, Kevin De Bruyne maybe David Silva like if he had still been at city, you know somebody that like is older pulling the strings he's not there anymore so I, I think Sergio Aguero might be my choice. It's not like for like, but, but I think you could probably cram in enough narratives to find some comparisons. No, I
1: like that. I like that. Um, yeah, I was thinking as well, maybe Jordan Henderson, just again, you know, the playmaker, the one that just, uh, um, you know, is it, not always the one that does the most athletically incredible thing <laughs> on, the, on the field, but like, he. I see he where you're going
2: with this but <laughs> he takes care of business.
1: I was thinking Steven Gerrard, uh, champions league, Steven Gerrard, uh, as opposed to, um, sure. you know, or Europa, uh, you know, okay. Steven Gerrard, maybe,
2: but I think. So, so you're looking for like an overachiever, right? Yeah, but, like uh, Let's be honest Tom Brady's an overachiever by every stretch of the imagination.
1: I mean, it's crazy the things that he has done. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, Vincent Company also, maybe, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, like that, I like
2: that shout. That's a good shout.
1: Yeah. So, but I think <laughs> I'm going to go with a combination. It's like if you mesh these two people, James Milner and Jordan Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> Not very
2: not very athletic winners. Is just because of the edge, but yeah. We're, we're
1: we're talking so much smack against uh, possibly the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. But anyway,
2: all right. I let's think he'd rip- raise his hand and acknowledge that he's not a good athlete. But <laughs> but and I actually have the the sign behind me for people that are watching on YouTube. It says, "Is Tom Brady the greatest of all time?" And I would argue that he's not the greatest player of all time, but he's the greatest winner of all time. Yeah, I, that's I think a better a- argument. I think that's a, there's a, there's a distinction there. That's important.
1: Yeah. I like that. All right. Let's move on. Travis Kelsey. I love Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's also kind of a soccer fan, I think as well. Aren't um, they all,
2: they're, just, they're all yeah. our closet soccer fans. I, yeah. I like Kelsey. I think that's, uh, he's very dependable, right? Somebody you can rely on all the time to, to make plays and you can trust. I would say most Salah, Sadio Mane kind of fall into that category for me. Uh, Sterling, you know, he's he's prone to missing some sitters. I, so, so is Salah, frankly. I don't know. Uh, That's a tough one. Yeah. I, I it's, I, it's not as easy. It's not as concrete. I feel like you need somebody that you know you're going to get a very consistent performance out Wait, of. Wait, can
1: I tell you mine? And maybe it, and maybe it goes, okay, maybe okay, it leans okay, your okay. way. You said it, you said it first. Uh, to me, I feel it's a Mohamed Salah because, you know, Kelsey's one of these players that at some point, at some point he's going to be clutch at some point he's going to deliver for you. Yeah. Uh, maybe not every game. Uh, and there may be some injuries in the way or whatever, but at some point, and then when he's on, he's unstoppable. Uh, so I am going to go with Mohammed Salah.
2: All right. I respect that. I, I almost, I guess I got my defensive as a center, former center back defender mindset. in. I almost want to go with Ruben Diaz, Mm. uh, just because he's solid and you know what you're going to get out of him game in and game out and, and I, but i really like your point about he's clutch and i don't know if ruben diaz has necessarily shown that yet but right. the defense for city has been much improved since he, he's been back there to steady it and so maybe that's a good argument
1: because, because yeah. without yeah. kelsey chiefs uh obviously are weaker without uh Ruben diaz this season they're yeah exactly very nice all right this might be hard jimmy uh gronk rob gronkowski <laughs> Course, we so once we again uh, rejoined uh, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay after their success uh, in New England, who would be your equivalent to Gronk?
2: So that's a great question. Cause I feel like you have to have a larger than life personality. I-, I think that Mo Salah keeps it pretty buttoned up. So he wouldn't be there. Uh, Sadio Mane maybe, but he seems like he's, you know, not looking to cause any trouble or anything or, you know, I don't know. That feels like more M- Mario Balotelli-esque uh, <laughs> I when I think like about Gronkowski. That. But, but, I don't know, maybe that falls into uh, the legacy of Mario Balotelli, where you got a little, you know, a little behavior. He likes to enjoy himself off the field. So I guess that would be my pick as a legacy pick. But if I'm trying to pick a current players, I'm just trying to think who's, oh, maybe, maybe Mendy, Benjamin Mendy.
1: Well, that's a Uh good one
2: because he's good at social media and he's always trying to mix it up much to Pep Guardiola's chagrin. So maybe I'll go with Mendy current and legacy Mario Balotelli.
1: I like that. I like that. I had two, I was thinking, uh, Edens (laughs) maybe. Oh Uh,
2: yeah.
1: And, uh, Rodri just because of the size I was thinking, I was trying to think of the biggest, I was thinking of the biggest Man City player. And I think it has to be aside from Ederson or Stefan, it has to be Rodri, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. but you never know. All right, let's, uh, we got two more Tyreek Hill.
2: Wow, uh,
1: Swiss Army knife, very Army, athletic. Yeah, can do
2: everything. Can can run past you, make big plays. I, I think uh, probably Raheem Sterling. Yeah, that falls was into nice. that. I mean, just in terms of just pace alone, and, and maybe even size. Right, I think they're both uh, little guys, cute as a button. So <laughs> that that um, that probably feels the best, just given like pure speed. I think Raheem Sterling in a foot race is probably faster than everybody else out there.
1: Yeah, there's also uh, the footwork as well that I was thinking of, right? Like sometimes yeah, uh, yeah. He can, uh, both players can can really fake uh, their opponents out yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the in the speed of a half a second. All right, last one: Mike Evans, wide receiver for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow,
2: big guy, big great hands. Uh, you know, you pass him the ball, he's always going to make the right decision with it. That's a that's a good one. I baby Bobby Firmino. You know, I feel like he deserves some love. I don't know how how uh, how great. Mike Evans' teeth are, but if he's got great teeth, then he and Bobby Firmino are like brothers from another mother. I, uh, God, that's a really good question. I don't know. What, what do you have? I have to think about that one a little bit. I have
1: Firmino. All right. Uh, uh, you know, clutch, not always there, but you know, a good comparison just because, uh, he can get in the end zone, he yeah. can get you a match winning or a game winning TD or a goal. Uh, That was a tough one. So I'll go with Firmino.
2: Yeah, wow, it's really tough because I think about Mike Evans. He joins a team that's better, you know, around better players and all of a sudden everything gets elevated for him, you know, so how can I say Sterling again? Because I feel like he (laughs) left Liverpool and then (laughs) went to City and then all of a sudden his game got infinitely better. Uh, I mean, Mike Evans was doing great stuff before that, don't get me wrong, but you start to throw around better players like Tom Brady, a better quarterback and and his game rate rises and you think, oh, wow, now we're really seeing that the peak uh, Mike Evans, and I think maybe Raheem Sterling falls in yep. the same one. I don't know. What do you guys think at home? Let us know.
1: I know. Tweet Kegolasso Pod Jimmy Conrad LM Echegaray. Tweet. Uh, who do you think uh, as the big game Super Bowl uh, nears? Hey, who do you? Who's winning it on Sunday?
2: Oh my. So I was in Kansas City. I played there eight years. MLS. I got to know Dick Vermeil, the head coach of the Chiefs at the time, and and then Herb Edwards came in after him, but. They were always very kind to us. We shared a lot of the same facilities. So I, I, it, I'd i be really uh, put off to not, uh, I'd be really jerk, I'd say, if I didn't support Kansas City at this point as they go for the, the back-to-back championship. I, I just can't count out somebody like Tom Brady, who I think is quietly on a mission to prove that the Patriots weren't all about Bill Belichick, that he was the most important piece of that i don't know if there's that much ego with that guy it doesn't seem like he has too much what i find interesting though and i before we get into the lines i went on the lines for william hill for this game it's insane like i see the the soccer lines that they have on there the nfl is just it's crazy you can bet on the coin toss you can bet on the, the color of gatorade that's going to be dumped on the coach i'm like what is even happening with my the life right now the
1: the length of the national anthem it's, it's, like- it's
2: insane i'm like what i just my mind has been blown so that was pretty crazy, but I have some some stats for you guys that if you are going to bet the game, something to consider. Uh, Kansas City won their first two playoff games by 5 and 14 points, but each of their final seven regular season wins came by six or fewer points. Okay, the line right now is plus 3, the over under or over under is 56 and a half, but the line's 3 in favor of the Chiefs. So they're minus 3 and the Bucks get 3 points in the So they played each other in week 12. And even though KC jumped out to a 17-0 lead, so I think there might be some action there if you want to say the, the Chiefs scoring first. The game was decided by three points. Uh, Tampa Bay made a strong comeback in the end of the fourth quarter, 27-24. That's the line. I can mean, see it breaking even. I can see this one being a three-point game. The Bucs, though, have won seven straight games since then. And they've taken down some pretty, pretty good teams along the way, especially in the playoffs, to get to this point. In a one-off, right? I still think Kansas City's going to do it. That line is really crazy. If it was three and a half, I'd be like, oh, I'll take the bucks." But because it's three, the odds makers are so good at this stuff. I'm still going to go Chiefs. I think it'll be close. You know, I, I don't know with regard to the line. I bet you, I bet you it is a three-point game.
1: But I love it. I love that you gave us some lines. See, we give you everything on last Lasso <laughs> right here. Uh, listen, my wife is the biggest Pat Mahomes fan. Uh, I think he's amazing. Uh, I'm a Giants fan, so I have my own personal, uh, you know, views of Tom Brady. <laughs> but you know, listen, I think, I think, I think I'm going with you 100%. Kansas City, and it's going to be close. Both are going to. It's going to be offensively. It's going to be entertaining. You just you can't shut down either quarterback. So it's going to be down to both the lines as well and how how. What do you think about the over
2: under? What do you think about that though? The fifty six and a half. I mean. <laughs> That seems, it seems a little, I've been mean, 27, 24 in week 12. So that's 51, right? It, I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty, I don't know, man. It's, it's pretty it's, tight. It's, I don't, it's, I, it,
1: tight. It, it's not, it's not, it's not as predictable as you would have thought. What? I don't, I'm going with, I'm going Chiefs by a touchdown.
2: Chiefs by a touchdown. Wow. Okay. So 27, 20, listen to this, listen to this. So there was a guy who, I don't know, it's worth a gajillion dollars. He put the biggest bet on the Super Bowl so far. He put a three point four six million dollar wager on Tampa to cover that. That so they get the plus three. He thinks they're going to win straight up. So so hold on, let me see his quote. He said, "Tampa Bay is loaded with talent on both sides of the ball and led led by the greatest football player of all time in Tom Brady." So I'm betting big on the Bucks, who have overcome tough matchups throughout this postseason. That's that's his quote. Where's he from? (laughs) He is from. He's from Houston okay he's a furniture store owner who's known for making giant sports bets
1: yeah (laughs) well that's giant
2: uh so so listen sorry he paid a little extra juice to get it at three and a half so he took he took tampa bay at three and a half if he wins this bet he'll win 2.72 million but he had to bet three three and a half million to get it
1: that's crazy
2: that's crazy dude okay hold on there was one more bet. i I honestly i just want i just want everybody listening like what yeah that's insane doing there was another better that also went with tampa and bet 2.3 million so what do these guys know that we don't i i mean we're going i'm going with chiefs know, right? from like a sentimental and emotional standpoint these guys are betting large sums of money that i have never seen in my life that's crazy but jimmy
1: anyway. i sweat over 20 bucks
2: you got like, it i get it i get it <laughs> i get it It's I know.
1: insane. but anyway let us know who you think is going to win it uh the chiefs defending champs the chiefs or tom brady with yet again another Super Bowl ring. It should be very interesting. And by the way, uh, before we move on and take a break and welcome Jonathan Johnson to discuss all the weekend action. By the way, JJ, this morning, I, I, I WhatsApp him and said, JJ, do you want to join us for the Super Bowl chat? And he's like, I know next to nothing to the Super Bowl. He's
2: got his own Super Bowl this week, Luis. <laughs> he's got Marseille taking on PSG. So
1: That's right. All good. And he's, he's going to talk about it for us in a little bit. But let me give you a live read here, everybody. Um, because listen, if you want to hang out with the CBS Sports Football Crew on Super Bowl Sunday this year, you can. So if you join experts from Fantasy Football today, the Pick Six Podcast Sports Line on Sunday, 430 Eastern for a two-hour Jimmy, two-hour pregame show on Twitch and YouTube. And they're gonna have the best DFS plays and a top 55 props countdown. Jimmy mentioned about the crazy bets that you can make. Well, there's so many here for Super Bowl 55, handicapping everything from Tyreek Hill's receptions to, as I mentioned, the length of the national anthem. And then gonna have a second half watch party from halftime until the final whistle so you can sweat those bets with the team. Everything... Is on the CBS Sports Twitch channel, twitch.com forward slash CBS Sports HQ. We got it all here. Got it all. And Jimmy also gave us a listen, we have everything. Uh let's make sure we pay Jimmy extra uh this week for everything. Well, assuming
2: you win, just don't bet 3.46 million dollars. Okay. Just, just get squeaky bum time with the rest of us with 10 bucks, 15 yeah. bucks, 20 bucks.
1: Absolutely. Anyway, we will be back after the break. Jonathan Johnson will join us to discuss the rest of the the beautiful game, our game, because uh, it's a heavy, heavy, loaded, packed weekend. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody, to Que Golazo, our weekend preview. Jimmy Conrad with us, and we welcome, I, f- I feel like after a long time, Jonathan Johnson. JJ,
3: what's up, man? Not much, guys. Doing well here. How about yourselves? Good to be back with you.
1: Yeah, well, we missed you, right, Jimmy? We missed him.
2: Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, JJ. We love seeing you and love hearing your voice.
1: I feel like it's been so long. It has been a while. JJ, uh, welcome. Uh, Obviously, JJ here to break down, uh, uh, along with us, all the action uh, that's going on around Europe this weekend, which is a lot. And we begin, of course, in the Premier League. We've already discussed it briefly, but we're going to get into the woods here. Liverpool against Man City. Liverpool, who really hang their title hopes, hang by a threat, guys, uh, after that Brighton loss. Uh, It's a big, big deal. Jimmy, let's break down these lines first. Uh, I mean, this is a must win for Liverpool.
2: It's a must win for Liverpool. I just want to let everybody know on William Hill, you can get Manchester City to win straight up at plus 108. So you bet 100 to win 108. I don't think you're going to get better odds on City the rest of the season unless they end up getting far in the Champions League and they run into a Bayern Munich or something and they become a little bit of a second favorite in this. But that's really good odds, especially because, to your point, Luis, Liverpool are on the ropes, man. They are – they're struggling. They had pieced it together for a long time and tried to paper over the cracks, and now those cracks are just – you know, there's holes being punched through them. I was trying to find an even better analogy and I couldn't do it. So if they lose, they will be 10 points behind Man City. Their title hopes are over. Andy Robertson came out after they lost to Brighton and said that they don't have any title hopes anymore. And I think Man City can see it. They're playing tremendously well right now. I will say though, with regard to the betting that I'm going to probably provide for you guys, or I am going to provide, Liverpool have not lost three straight home games without scoring. They're on two right now. In the last 100 years so i don't know if you guys are history buffs or not but i like city winning and both teams to score plus 260. uh city as we've discussed over the week over the last couple of weeks have really clicked into gear 13 straight wins in all competitions uh they're unbeaten in their last 20. and uh i just think that given liverpool's situation i don't know if saudi Mane is going to play or not i think he's he's kind of questionable I hope he'd be the guy that maybe could spur on to get that one goal, but I just don't see City losing here. I think they can sense it. If we can win this right now, we're continuing to pad and give ourselves a little bit of a, a room to breathe. You know, if we do trip up at some point down the stretch.
1: JJ, listen, I mean, there's something to be said about if there's a worse time to face Man City, it is right now for <laughs> Liverpool. I mean, against Brighton, oh, yes, uh, they were without Allison, obviously, Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez. Keita, Fabinho, Diogo Jota, Seario Mane, Joe Matip. I mean, yeah, clearly the injuries have hurt. Uh, but it's more than that, I guess, as well. It's just everything. But this is the worst time to face Man City.
3: Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, I was really, really shocked uh, by how poor they were against Brighton. I mean, it's not just the result and losing. When I mean, you look at some of the stats, one shot on target for the whole game. And that's an attack that boasts Mo Salah. Uh, Roberto Firmino you know it's, it's not acceptable it's not good enough and you know I think Robertson's right Liverpool's title hopes are completely gone at this moment in time because I had them down as picking up three points against Brighton and then the City match being crucial to, to them potentially winning back some ground even if they beat City now that doesn't necessarily get them back into the title race City have a game in hand uh, and it's you know, I, I think I think it's already beyond beyond Liverpool. I mean, sure, uh, you know, there, there's pride to fight for because they're defending champions, but you would not bet against uh, you know Liverpool dropping more points between now and the end of the season. They just there's so much wrong with uh, with Liverpool at the moment, and yes, of course, they've been majorly unlucky with you know so many of those absences coming at the same time and it's majorly disrupted their chemistry. But, you know, this is also something that we've seen happen in the past uh, with Jurgen Klopp, notably at Borussia Dortmund, uh, you know, and it's something that the team doesn't necessarily recover from, Uh, you know. So it's perhaps a bit too early to say that this same thing is happening to Liverpool. But, you know, the signs are there that a pattern is repeating itself, Uh, you know, and Dortmund weren't able to, to get themselves out of that funk. I mean, okay, they salvaged something of that final season under Klopp, but... When a team runs out of gas under Jurgen Klopp, they tend to generally find it quite difficult to get it back. And that is what I'm seeing in this Liverpool uh, over the last couple of months because some of, the, some of the games they're losing, some of the points they're dropping at home, some of the teams they're going scoreless against is just, uh, you know, it, it doesn't bode well. Having said all that, Jimmy,
1: can, you know, Man City under Pep Guardiola, their record uh, at Anfield is, is not good. Is there a hope here? What do you see in this game unfolding uh, concluded by your final score prediction?
2: No, what I would say is that they have what their are winless in the last 13 or 14 att- uh, games in all competitions at Anfield. This is a different Anfield. There's no fans or limited fans. I don't think it's going to have the same type of gravitas or intensity. It's maybe not as intimidating. Again, another reason why you don't want to face Man City right now. You're like, oh, hey, come over to our house. There's nobody here to put any pressure on you. And then you can kick our butts at the same time. I just think City are just on it. And I think they have the confidence that comes with it. And I think they know they're on the precipice of, the like, If let's knock these guys out now. Let's not we'll have to worry about Liverpool for the rest of the season. And this is our time to do it. We're better than them right now. And let's go out and prove it. They're struggling. Let's make sure they continue to struggle. And if they can't score against Brighton, to, to JJ's point, how are they going to score against the best defense in the league? You know, And they just need one maybe going the other way to steal this one 1-0. I, I do think if Allison plays, Kelleher was in against Brighton. I like Kelleher. I think he's a good shot stopper. I think he's got a bright future, but he doesn't have the same type of presence that Allison provides, especially for a fragile defense when you have Jordan Henderson out there or any of these new young center backs that they just signed that probably will have to play because of all the injuries. Fabinho probably won't be back. I like City to win this 2-1, 3-1. I just think they're going to be in complete control and to JJ's point, I, I think this is a tough time for Liverpool, not only after after this game, too. I want to tell you guys about the schedule. They got Leicester six days later. Then they have RB Leipzig in Germany and then they play Everton uh, in the Merseyside derby. So this this next two weeks for them is going to be absolutely crucial and could see them potentially lose their chance at winning the title and also be knocked out of the Champions League.
1: So three one to you uh, for Liverpool. Yeah, I'll go with that. Man, Fabinho doesn't play, I think that's a that's a
2: big, big one.
1: JJ, uh, what's your uh, conclusion to this result, do you think?
3: I mean, I'm really curious to see what kind of 11 clock uh, can put out there against City. I mean, like, like Jimmy said, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the likes of Kabak and Davies, if they're operational, uh, you know, will almost have to be thrown in. It's just funny that <clears throat> Liverpool place such importance on strengthening the defence in the transfer window or at the end of the transfer window, that the attack was kind of overlooked. And for me, I'd say that the bigger worry at this moment in time, particularly at home, uh, is the, the 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 lack of goals. So I think that the key uh, presence for this match will be will be Mane. Uh, and to be honest, I can see it being ugly. Uh, I, I'm not even sure Liverpool are going to get the goal. I could see it being 3-0 City. Two. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to
2: stick with 3-0. Wow, 3-0, oh, it. But I, it's hard to argue against it, given the, the current form of the It's game. very hard,
1: but yeah. you know what? I I just, listen. Symp- sympathetic LMC. Here we go, up. here's the sympathetic I know. Sympathetic. <laughs> Here comes my Peruvian grandmother coming in. But I just feel that it's in these situations when the narrative just does a 180. I don't know. But I agree with JJ's biggest point, which is I don't think it matters what happens in this game. I think Man City's winning this league anyway. I just mm-hmm. think that the gap is too far, the game in hand, et cetera. You mentioned the momentum from Man City's side. Um, so even if Liverpool does get a w- win here, I don't think it changes the overall conclusion uh, by the time the end of the season comes. I still think Man City's going to win this time, but I think I think Liverpool's going to scratch this win here and, and get something out of this. I don't know, probably 2-1. Uh but it doesn't matter. Man City's got this, uh, regardless of what happens, because as JJ said, they're just playing for pride at this point. But, you know, there you have it. All right. Let's move on in the Premier League because we have a lot of games here. Uh, Manchester United, after absolutely destroying Southampton, uh, face Everton, who picked up a good win um, against Leeds United. They were holding on by the end of it, but they got that victory. Uh, Manu against Everton. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer against Carlo Ancelotti. What do you have here, Jimmy?
2: Yeah, this is a good game. I, I don't know what to make of this Everton team. You know, they, they draw with Leicester. Then they lose to Newcastle at home, which is embarrassing. I'm, I feel bad for them because <laughs> my Newcastle sucks. And then they do just what they have to do to beat Leeds. You know, a good Leeds team. They came in with a lot of momentum. But to my point, as I mentioned before earlier this week, Leeds has yet to win three straight league games. So I guess we could see that one coming because they were on the precipice of doing that. But yeah, fair play to Everton. You know, uh, what I find interesting is with regard to this game overall is the lineup choices because... If I'm Ole Gunnar, why would I not roll out the same team that started against Southampton and absolutely decimated them? That would mean leaving Paul Pogba on the bench. He was rested midweek, didn't even come on. Uh, That would mean Cavani starting up top, even though Martial came off the bench and scored two goals. So I'm very curious about the lineup choices. On the other side for Everton, Hamas Rodriguez was also rested midweek, but they looked pretty good without him in the team. So do you find a spot for him? Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored again. Sigurdsson scored. Maybe Iwobi. Has to sit on the bench, so then Hamas can be out wide right and cut in. I mean, I think that's the big story and narrative around this: is who do you go with? Who who's your top eleven in this, given current form and given how well they played uh, just a few days ago? Kamani does have an ankle injury, so that might solve itself. But Greenwood started as well against Southampton and looked okay and was solid. Uh, These are these are the big choices. This is why these guys get paid the big bucks. Personally, I got Manchester United winning uh, two to one, and. I got uh, Martial, I'm going to stay with the confidence guy, plus 140 for him to score any time. Bruno Fernandes getting assists. He had two against Southampton, plus 138. But um, I, I really like them, them winning, and I don't know if Everton's going to score. That's the thing. So, so I just kind of have Manchester United straight up. I'll get you that odd. I don't know why I didn't write it down. There is one, though, that I want, one exotic that I wanted you guys get into. It was 0-0 at half when these two played against each other about six weeks ago, and then United scored in the 88th minute and the 91st minute to win 2-0 at Goodison Park. Uh, that's So if there's zero zero at halftime, it's plus 225. I like that one a lot. So outside of those three exotics, I'll get you the one that I was looking for. But uh, that's how I'm feeling. I'm thinking United 2-1. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's a good problem to have for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who to start if he keeps his line just because, uh, you know, after that destruction. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. JJ, what do you see here? Uh, can Everton do something, uh, you know, against a very confident Manchester United?
3: I mean I like that Jimmy's talking about how tight it could be uh, and how tight it's been between United and Everton this season because <clears throat> this is really a, a battle between Solskjaer and a tactical master in Ancelotti. Uh, you know and I fancy Ancelotti to set Everton up well uh, you know to be difficult to break down and I also think that there might be a bit of a complacency factor from United in that they're coming into this off the back of a game against the Southampton side that just capitulated towards the end. I mean, we've seen it in the past where they've gone down uh, 9-0, happened again. And, you know, I think that United by the end of that will probably be coming into this game with a, a little bit of an unrealistic expectation of, of perhaps how easy it's going to be against their next opponent. Not because it's Everton. I mean, it could have been anyone else in the in the Premier League. Uh, you know, I just think that because of the way that that Southampton game finished, it's I, I expect Everton to surprise United by being more solid than uh, uh, than Southampton were so for me I, I can see Everton sneaking something in this uh, I agree with Jimmy that there's still a debate to be had over whether James Rodriguez makes this Everton team better or not um but for me I I, I think that Ancelotti's uh tactical acumen will, will will speak quite strongly here and I think it could be a draw
1: a draw yep um my thing is we're talking a lot about dcl james rodriguez i think the uh, somebody actually that's probably more important for ancelotti is uh dina lucas you know, yeah, you know yeah, he, yeah. a lot yeah, of the productivity game. comes from yeah, his yeah. side sure. and when you face aaron Wan-Bissaka, it can be a little complicated but it's going to be interesting to see that duel so to me um i think that's where the focus is but i'm going to go with a very narrow Manchester United win, perhaps 2 1, something like that. uh Final conclusions on this one, Jimmy.
2: Yeah, I'm going to. I actually, after listening to JJ and, and uh and thinking through, remember when Liverpool beat Crystal Palace 7 0 on yeah. eight shots? And what then happened they, after they, that? they only scored one goal in their next five league games? Maybe Manchester United just, you know, blew all their opportunity. Like they blew all their goals for the for foreseeable future. <laughs> I can <could laughs> maybe see a draw here. I can maybe see a draw here. Maybe they're going to get the same curse, you know? Uh, Maybe. So maybe a draw could be in the cards. Another uh, key matchup, I think, for, for Ancelotti to, to think about is Olsen and goal. Pickford now is healthy. He can come back in. But Olsen was good, and he he, he was very good at against Leeds in particular. Do you go with him? I, I almost would go with Olsen at this point. I thought they looked very stout defensively. Their whole back four was very good. And, and maybe we can't see a 1-1 here, and that's plus 340. The draw straight up is plus 340. That's not a bad shout, JJ. I think I might change my mind. Thank you for that.
1: That's uh that's good for Everton not great for Manchester United I would think. So JJ you stink with that draw what's your result your final result on that? Uh
2: did Jimmy take 1-1 one, one in the end? Uh, I did. He, he did. Well we can be BFFs. Come on JJ come join right, the 1-1 yeah. party. I'm go- I'm go- I'm go-
3: I'm going to stick with my 1-1. Oh boy. Well there you have
1: it. All right, let's do one more. Uh Jimmy I know that you wanted to bring this one up.
2: Yes, I want to talk about uh, Aston Villa. Your guys is Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Again, this is a little bit of an issue. I think for Arsenal, they have a goalkeeper injuries. Uh, Leno suspended. Uh, Seems like new signing Matt Ryan is going to be hurt. And now they might have runner son, who's prone to making mistakes uh, as their only goalkeeper option. David Luiz is out also. I thought Arsenal were actually very good in the first half against Wolves prior to the red card on William Jose from David Luiz. However you feel about the red card, it was, it, was, it was called, and they had to suffer the 2-1 loss, never really recovered from that. But all things considered, it seems like they're starting to eke out a real identity in some ways. It's a real style of play that you can see now. It's starting to become more evident game after game after game. So I like Arsenal in this one, especially because uh, Villa, uh, unfortunately, didn't look so hot. Um, and, and I'm curious against West Ham, and I'm curious to see how they respond to that. My, my fear for you guys with Aston Villa in particular is that Dean Smith, the manager, just rolls out the same 11 pretty much every single game and then only counts on maybe the same two subs. So unless he really starts to trust his depth, I think it's going to be hard. I think they're just tired at this point. You can only play so many games and you can have a big smile on your face and, you, you know, you can you can say all the things that you want to say. Oh, we love playing. We, we understand how special it is. We're doing it for the fans. But it still takes it out of you. There's a, still a physical and mental toll to playing all those games if you're the same players that count on game in and game out. So I actually like Arsenal uh, to do the business here, unfortunately. Um, but if you guys think there's a draw, I think Villa will somehow have some backbone and figure it out. Both teams to score and get the draws plus 320. That's pretty good value.
1: Yep. Uh, some updates here. David Luiz's uh, red card has been appealed. So we'll see if that gets uh, overturned and he starts. Matt Ryan does look like he might be able to compete for the starting role. That game. We'll see what happens. Kieran Tierney, by the way, no. And that's a big loss for Arsenal Mm -hmm. as well. But I agree, Arsenal were, I think the the game totally changed when Luis was sent off. Uh, From Villa's side, JJ, what what do you make of it? Uh, Let's begin with your thoughts before I I offer anything and I try and remain calm.
3: (laughs) I mean, it's just been majorly disappointing uh, the last couple of games. Uh, I've I've been saying for a while now that my big fear with Villa is not the the tougher games. You know, I'm always confident that Villa are going to perform, particularly on the road. Uh, it's games against the, the teams where you'd expect Villa to do well and perhaps pick up points that they seem to, you know, completely take their foot off the gas. We've seen it twice against Burnley this season. We saw it at home against Brighton as well. Uh, you know, and I think that they should have beaten uh, West Ham as well. It's, you know, on on paper, those are winnable matches for Villa. And, you know, the, the league position, uh, especially with the games in hand is still quite favourable, but the the thing that is so frustrating is where those points have been dropped. And I completely agree with Jimmy. Uh, you know, Dean Smith is way too predictable with the the starting eleven, and you would have thought that he would have changed his approach given the the the. the, the the absolutely crazy nature of the schedule after the the, the COVID outbreak, because we, we knew that Villa were walking into a storm with the, the way that the matches were going to come thick and fast. Uh, and it seems like there was very little either preparation for, uh, you know, a bit of rotation or just very little trust outside of the, the starting 11. And it's quite frustrating considering the, the way that the Villa squad looks this season compared to last, because I think that there is enough depth to, to rotate. You know, we saw guys, You know, like El Ghazi in in good form up until uh, a a couple of weeks ago, just before the the COVID outbreak, Uh, and now it's it's kind of like Dean Smith is 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 reluctant to to make too many uh, to make too many changes. Feels like he's straying too far from his ideal formula.
1: Yeah, I want to take nothing away from West Ham. By the way, I thought they were very very good against Aston Villa. But to everybody, to both your points. Uh, the, Villa was just lethargic Villa being the team That uses the least sub We've already mentioned That they can be very predictable There are some players That you, you have to be You start Ollie Watkins you, you, He's not going to be replaced By Keenan Davis Jack Grealish He's not going to come out of there But I think players Like Ross Barkley I think you know The fact that we brought in Morgan Sanson He probably could have started uh, You know So there, there's room for rotation And I think that was The biggest issue You could see it I mean Dean Smith said it Like some of the goals That they conceded Against West Ham It was just like Sunday league and I think a lot of it is because they're just tired like you said it's just, it's just a lot of games so it's the early kickoff on Saturday against Arsenal it should be interesting to see how uh, Villa reacts against Arsenal who were very good until Luis was sent off who equally want to get some kind of redemption in this one I'm not going to give my prediction you've said an Arsenal win Jimmy what's your final score there?
2: No I I, well, I well, did say that I'm kind of thinking that Emmy Martinez the goalkeeper for Aston Villa who used to play for Arsenal and helped them win an FA Cup last season will be up for this as long as Jesse Ling guard isn't shooting at him I think he'll make the saves that they need (laughs) to make and uh I could see a draw here given some of the injury concerns especially with Tierney and David Luis uh, in the back uh and then Villa beat Arsenal 3-0 at the Emirates earlier this season back in November I don't know i i don't want to discount villa anytime i do that they they do they show up and they're ready to play dean smith will have the guys ready to go i just i just worry about that fatigue overall
3: i think i think you need to go for a really heavy arsenal win here.
2: okay i'll do that i'll jinx i'll jinx <laughs> arsenal and say that Ars, uh i'll jinx them and say that arsenal wins 3-0 they're gonna Lo- redeem their 3-0 loss
3: love it jj you gonna give a prediction i am i can see it being a high scoring affair actually as, as much as i'd love for a, a Martinez clean sheet. Uh, I'm actually leaning towards something like
1: a 2-2. Yeah, uh, that's something similar to what I'm thinking. And by the way, you know, Villa 9th, Arsenal 10th. Uh, so, you know, it's obviously yeah. important to come to the table as well, yeah. even though, you know, Villa does have two games in hand as well. Anyway, so that was the Premier League. Let's take a break uh, and then we will go for the rest of Europe, including La Liga, Bundesliga, Juventus against Roma in Italy. My God. And of course, uh, Le Classique
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
4: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Que Lasso. We have Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson here to break down the rest of Europe and as well FIFA's World Cup of Clubs, I like to say. Mundiales uh, de Clubes. Jimmy, let's begin in Spain. What's going on in La Liga?
2: Well, there's a lot going on, as always. Atletico Madrid don't play till Monday, so I guess we'll have something to discuss on Sunday about that game in particular.
1: Uh, against Celta Vigo, right?
2: Yes, yeah, Celta Vigo Real Betis is going to be hosting Barcelona, but they play against Athletic today us uh, in, in Copa del Rey. So we'll see how they play in that one. They've been in very good form under Manuel Pellegrini. We'll see if that continues against Athletic in the Cup. That said, Barcelona have an extra day of rest. We'll see if that plays into it and helps them out a little bit. Uh, and then Real Madrid, I think, is a big one for me. They're taking on Huesca, who are on the bottom of the table in La Liga. They played earlier this season. It was 4-1 in favor of Real Madrid. Uh, Benzema scored. and Hazard scored. And guess what, everybody? If you didn't know, Eden Hazard's hurt again and should be out for another few weeks. So that's awesome. I just feel like Madrid need to win. They absolutely have to win this one, especially against the worst team in the league. Sergio Ramos comes back into the team. So there is one line that I really like uh, Benzema to score and Madrid to win two, zero, two, one, or three, one that's plus 400. I, I really liked that line in particular Madrid are up against it. And every time they're up against it, especially this season, whether it was in the champions league or even right now, they're still doing enough to hang around and get the results that they need. And with Ramos again, back in, he's a captain, he's a winner. I think that will make a big difference because when he's not in the team, they're just not the same. They just lack that substance. that lack that backbone that I think a top club needs.
1: Yeah. JJ, anything to add from Real Madrid? I mean, this is a must win once again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you just
3: wonder what the, the impact of that as a, uh, absence is going to be because, you know, he doesn't really get that many runs in the team. You know, for someone that they spent so much money on, uh, you know, I've, it's been a while since we've seen Real Madrid be hurt like this, uh, you know, by such a big money buy. Uh, and it's not really the games against the likes of Wesker, uh, you know, where it's going to cost them. It's potentially against the likes of Atalanta in the Champions League, uh, but I, I, I agree, you know, with uh, Zidane being, you know, so under fire at this moment in time, they really can't afford uh, any more slip-ups, and it is, you know, a potential banana skin, this one, but uh, I'm, I'm going to side with uh, Jimmy and say that uh, Big Ben's gets the, uh gets the job done and keeps the heat off for the moment, but it could come back at any time, uh, you know, given the, the precarious nature of Real's situation this season.
1: Yeah, I see Real Madrid winning, but I also see them conceding. I see Benzema scoring. So I'm going with that 3-1 that you just mentioned. Jimmy, what what do you think, uh, final score prediction?
2: Yeah, I can see a 3-1. I think Benzema's done a very good job over the last few seasons, especially without Cristiano Ronaldo, of, of scoring the goals that they need against... The- opposition that they should beat you know and that's not an easy thing we see a lot of teams play to the level of their competition but for whatever reason benzema kind of puts the team on his backs in these types of games and and to jj's point they need to start kind of rounding into form ahead of the champions league right you need to start to okay everybody's healthy let's get into our flow let's get into our rhythm let's show everybody we're real madrid and now let's go win the competition that we're known for so they need to start playing well leading into that because all of us you, they're not good enough. Nobody really is that good enough, maybe outside of Bayern Munich last season where you could flip a switch and be, you know, be on again. Or I guess they're doing it this season when they go down a goal, but, but it's pretty, pretty few and far between uh, with teams that can that have that capability.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, when uh, the Champions League begins, they are facing Atalanta, so that's not going to be exactly a walkthrough. All right, let's yeah. go to Germany. Uh, Jimmy, the Bundesliga, uh, Schalke playing RB Leipzig. But uh, what else is going on?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of games, you know, and and to the our points before about the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich are definitely the favorites to win it again. However, the other teams underneath. Have to win the games that they should win, and to your point about Schalke RB Leipzig, RB Leipzig needs to win this game against Schalke, and they haven't been winning these types of games, or so they've been dropping points to, to inferior opposition. So, we'll see how they perform. The game that I really like, though, is Bayer Leverkusen versus Stuttgart, and I bring this one up because Bayer Leverkusen just got knocked out of the cup, the DFB Pokal, which is my favorite named cup competition in the world. By a fourth division team, and they were up 1-0 in extra time. It actually went 0-0 through 90 minutes in extra time. Leon Bailey scored, and they gave up two goals in the last 12 minutes to lose 2-1. It's just unacceptable on so many different levels. Peter Bosch, they have to figure it out. They're now out of the title race. They're struggling right now. They have a ton of injuries. I should list it. It's, it feels very Liverpool-esque. They have uh, uh, Bellarabi's out, Arangis is out, Palacios, Amiri, Verts, Schick. Alario, uh, both bender brothers the bender twins sven and lars which are the most german and or and or swedish names you've ever heard so uh, they're just struggling and i think this is a great time for stuttgart to steal some points here stuttgart are the second best road team in the bundesliga behind bayern munich and they have this player in particular i want you guys to, i'm probably going to butcher his name i'm going to do my very best here i'm going to slow it down so i say it right uh silas wamagatuka a 21 year old from congo he's got 11 goals in the bundesliga this season and he scored in four straight games so I like him to score, okay? Uh, him to score and and Bayer-Leverkusen, excuse me, Stuttgart to win is like plus 450. And if you just want Stuttgart to win straight up, it's, or excuse me, it's plus 750. And, and if you want uh, Stuttgart to win straight up away from home, it's plus 270. I like that one a lot. That's one of my favorite bets of the whole weekend.
1: I like it. I like it. By the way, Bayern Munich not playing this weekend because they are in the Club World Cup. Uh, JJ, anything to add from the Bundesliga? Once again, the theme is repetitive. Bayern's going to win this. It's just about who's second.
3: Well, yeah, first of all, I want to give Jimmy uh, compliments for the uh, pronunciation. Uh, Wamangi Tuka is uh, is right up there. Not not quite as difficult for him as uh, Lyon, obviously. But... <laughs> I'm trying. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm 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 definitely impressed by that. I mean, I'm I'm also keen to see, uh, you know, what uh, Stuttgart can. Uh, can can turn up in uh, in that match. I mean, Leverkusen, it just seems like their season has been falling apart now for the last couple of weeks. I mean, we we all know about the the, the history that Leverkusen have of of throwing away good positions and good opportunities to That's to, why their nickname is silverware.
2: Neverkusen, right? Neverkusen, they call Neverkusen, exactly. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think that there's also, you know, a good opportunity here for some of the chasing pack to take advantage of the fact that Bayern are away because quite often, you know, Bayern will get a result and it seems to daunt... Uh, the teams that were capable of challenging them for the title. So for Bayern to sort of not be there, uh, you know, takes a bit of the pressure off for the likes of and Leipzig, uh, you know, as they tried to get themselves back into title contention. Because when Bayern come back from the Club World Cup, they're going to be pretty tired. I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, after the, I think it was after the UEFA Super Cup earlier this season, they got absolutely hammered by Hoffenheim coming back into the league. You know, and I think that's the kind of opportunity that the, these title contenders have to be hoping for. I think it's probably... Going to fall away for Leverkusen, but I, I, I still think that somebody like a Leipzig really has to try and keep as much consistency going as possible. You know, to see if there's an opportunity where Bayern throw away some points and they can they can take advantage of it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it's been a bit frustrating the last couple of weeks to see Bayern sort of pull away uh, when it had looked so tight uh, up until quite recently. Yeah. All
1: right. Let's move to Italy because there is a huge game in Italy, in Serie A, Jimmy Conrad, Roma in third, Juventus in fourth. They're facing each other. On one side, you have Brian Reynolds. On the other one, you have Weston McKinney. We'll (laughs) see if either start, Brian Reynolds, I'm sure not. But like, my God, Roma, Juventus. This is a big one, Jimmy Conrad.
2: Yeah, it's a very big one. What I'll say is that uh, this one looks to be a cracking affair. I think Roma's got some turmoil behind the scenes with the Ed and Dzeko situation. Whether they want to or, or want to admit it to themselves, that stuff does trickle onto the field. You have some animosity. I think they think that everything's been settled, but there's still going to be some res- residual emotion. And, and I wonder how that's going to impact them, especially because Juve are coming in off of winning five straight since losing to Inter Milan. They beat Inter Milan actually in the first leg of the Coppa Italia semifinals. Uh, they look good right now, and I think they have a lot of confidence, and that makes me worried. Juve don't lose at home very often. I think they've won 36 out of their last 38 Uh, in Serie A at home so it's all kind of pointing towards Juve even though I'm a Roma supporter and, and and you know I want them to do well they do have the firepower to score I just don't know if they got enough to win it. They, they, they feel like Bayer Leverkusen in some ways where they get close, but they never really get there. You know, that's kind of Roma. Um, so so I, I've kind of listed these ones, and I might do this moving forward. My safe bet here is that Juve wins in over two and a half goals plus 130. I, I like that a lot. I think there's a 2-1, maybe 3-1 here. Uh, my risky, somewhat risky bet, and I'm speaking as a Roma fan, because I want to give uh, the club I support a chance, I'll go with a draw and both teams to score plus 350. You never know; that could po- that could possibly happen. The riskier one, and obviously it's a bit more of an exotic: a uh, Ronaldo to score. He just scored uh, recently, and he scores all the time, as we know. And Juve to win either 2-0, 2-1, or 3-1. Now these two teams played to a 2-2 draw earlier this this year, and that that pays 450. I mean, it's pretty good value to get Ronaldo to score and those score lines. So I don't know. Pick your pick your poison, everybody.
1: Well, you know, i tell you what, Juventus win this and they obviously uh, leapfrog Roma, they go third and they'll go four points behind Milan if they don't beat Crotone, which doesn't seem likely, but still, they will still be climbing up that table closer to Inter as well. JJ, uh, you know, pretty exciting. I feel like out of all the leagues, Serie A is possibly the
3: most exciting. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like every time there's an opportunity to rule Juventus out of the title race, something happens that kind of keeps them hanging in there. Uh, and, you know, I, I I agree, Juve are in good form at the moment, but also something that's been a recurring theme uh, so far this season is every time they've looked like they're ready to relaunch their title aspirations, they get some unexpected result that completely throws them back out of it again. We saw them lose a, a home to Fiorentina in the final game of 2020. Uh I'm not necessarily expecting that to happen, but they have dropped a lot of points in draws, uh, and I think that they cannot afford to, to drop any more points uh, between now and the end of the season if they want to be absolutely sure uh, of overhauling uh, AC and Inter at the, at the top of the table. So for me, I think that if this is a draw, which it very well could be, it's going to be another dent to Juve's title aspirations. Uh, the draw is the, the, the result that I'm feeling. It wouldn't surprise me to see Juve sneak it by a, a small margin, though.
1: Yeah, I see Juventus really just winning all out here. Uh, they're going to be hungry. Uh, I do go back to that cup game where... Uh, Pirlo subbed off Cristiano Ronaldo and he was so mad and Pirlo was like, there's no clause in his contract that I can't sub him. I feel like Ronaldo might want to prove a point in this one. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, what was your final score prediction, Jimmy?
2: Yeah, my heart's saying a draw. I'm going with JJ there and both teams to score. I think without Chris Smalling, he's going to be out for Roma. He's got a bit of a muscle injury. I think he provides a little or more stability than some of the other defenders but they do have this prowess of going forward that I really like. I just don't know which version of Rome is going to show up on the day. Uh, But as they battled before 2-2, I'm going to say, though, that I think that Juve is going to do it, you know, uh, especially with Cristiano Ronaldo coming off a brace a couple days ago. I just think he's going to be feeling it some more. And that guy is hungry for goals, man. He loves it. And, you know, he wants to make sure he continues to be on top of the scoring charts. So, yeah, I think 2-1. 2-1 Juve is probably my head, head talking.
1: All right. All right. Listen, this is a very loaded, very packed weekend preview. Before we go to Les Classiques, let's just quickly talk about the FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, Tigres uh, beat Olsen Hyundai 2-1, thanks to a brace from André-Pierre Gignac. Some could say the best player from Liga MX in the last decade. Honestly, he's just an absolute machine. And now they're going to face Palmeiras on sunday uh so it's kind of like a brazil mexico situation here that's always good and bayern munich by the way uh on monday they'll face the winner of Al-Duhail and ali who face literally as i'm talking they're kicking off right now uh so that's anything from there jimmy from the club world cup palmeiras tigres Ooh. Ooh,
2: baby! I, I actually think on paper, Tigres is the better team. I know Palmeiras just won the Copa Lipa Dores. It was not a great game. Uh, I do think that they have some some firepower uh, to, to score some goals. Luis Adriano is probably the more famous name out of their club. But Tigres, I, I just think that they are better. And if Andre Pierre Gignac, after his brace today, can keep that going and keep, keep being hungry, feed that bear because he likes to score. I like Tigres. And I would love to see Tigres versus Bayern Munich in the final. I really want Ali to win. They were the treble winners in Africa, and it would be cool for them to take on the treble winners from Europe. So that would be a cool matchup, and we'll see if that ends up happening. But uh, I suspect Bayern will get to the final, and I hope that Tigres is there to match him.
1: Yep, I agree. Hey, JJ, question for you. What's the, what, what, what does France, uh, the French community, think of Gignac, somebody whose career has gone everywhere, obviously included the national team as well, uh, the World Cup as well, of course. Uh, what do people think of André-Pierre Gignac?
3: And obviously he's very popular in Marseille, uh, it was his childhood club. Uh, ended up coming good there after a very difficult start. Took Marcelo Bielsa to really get him into this form that we that we see him in now. And you know, if if Gignac's success in recent years, particularly in Marseille, can be put down to just one moment in his career. It was that moment where Bielsa arrived at Marseille, turned him into a completely different player, got him in much better shape than he's ever been at any point in his career, Uh, you know, and even got him into contention for the the French national team as well. I mean, I think internationally, people remember that miss late on in the final of Euro 2016 uh, against Portugal when he hit the post. Uh, And, you know, that's kind of soured people's memories of him in a France shirt, Uh, you know, but he's always been a very prolific goal scorer when he broke out playing for Toulouse, uh, you know, with that unexpected uh, qualification for the the Champions League around about that time as well. It's, you know, he's somebody who has always shown a lot of promise uh, and it's great to see that he's finally delivered somewhere. Uh, And I think that the French also have a lot of admiration for him in going and trying something culturally different. Uh, you know, and and going and making a hero of himself outside of his home country.
1: See, I love the fact that I asked you that because I knew you were going to talk about him and Bielsa and Marseille. And this is the segue for Le Classique uh, Marseille against PSG. So much to talk about. But before all of that, JJ, very quickly, Neymar, PSG, very close to finally figuring out. Yes, this is where he's staying. Yes,
3: Absolutely, uh, and we've heard uh, our uh, our colleague Fabrizio Romano uh, giving us the latest details. There is uh, a contract extension uh, of four years that, that's very close to being agreed, uh, and. Obviously, with Neymar's birthday coming up later this week, you know, who knows, perhaps it's about the right moment for, for PSG to make an announcement. But this will be a key move for PSG in terms of, uh, you know, keeping themselves strong for the next couple of seasons and potentially trying to convince the likes of Kilino Mbappe to extend uh, and Lionel Messi to, to make the move from uh, Barcelona financially. I think there are a lot of questions around how PSG uh, make this contract renewal happen at this moment in time uh you know but we'll we'll just have to wait and see uh, exactly when psg announce it and, and the nature of what they're announcing but yes there is an agreement very close uh for neymar and psg to continue uh for another four years together so it's it's something that's definitely on the radar for for the next couple of weeks
1: love it love it and we have a big game uh coming up uh le classique Marseille, who are just in turmoil, uh, we've all seen Andre Villas-Boas, uh, you know, just everything that's just gone down. The fans uh, breaking out into the training center. Jimmy and I talked about it earlier, but what's uh, what's the latest on this game as as we preview a really big big matchup uh, in League A.
3: Yeah, I was disappointed to miss the Marseille funeral special with you guys earlier in the week. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, in all my years of covering French football, I don't think I've seen anything as crazy uh, as the last couple of days with Marseille. Between the fans storming the training facility and the match being postponed on the Saturday to Villas-Boas' unexpected press conference, uh, claim that he submitted his resignation and was waiting for the club to respond, yet... When you're under contract in France in a job and there's a defined end date of that contract, you can't resign from it. You can either be sacked or made to continue until the end of that. So now that vidash Boas is is suspended, you had the sort of comical uh, final interview with him in the out of the window of his car as he was being escorted from the, the premises. Uh, you know, that's sort of, I think that's the comedy aspect of the of the Marseille downfall um, that's gone now. We saw them throw away a two-goal lead in midweek against Lens. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily any shame in drawing against Lens, considering the way that they're playing this season. Very underrated side uh, with a Gael Kakuta who's, uh, you know, finally delivering on that promise we saw early in his career, but disappointing for for Marseille. Some positives in it, obviously, Arcadius Milik off the mark, so that's something for Marseille to take into this game. But I just think with all the chaos surrounding them, you need a real tactical plan when you're going into a game against PSG. We saw it work in Marseille and and village boas favour earlier in the season when they went to Paris. They went with a clear idea of what they wanted to do to get in PSG's faces, to rile them up. You know, and that, that worked. We saw all the fireworks on the pitch, uh, you know, multiple red cards, tons of yellow cards as well. Very feisty affair. I expect this to be feisty again because when is it not in Le Classique? But I think that PSG uh, tactically, you know, especially with the embarrassment of the, the loss against Lorient recently, uh, I think Pochettino is going to be motivated to, to make sure that PSG don't slip up here because they know that, you know, there is t- title uh, aspirations on the line with Lille and Lyon still going strong.
1: Yeah. Pochettino's uh, first uh, classique as a manager, uh, Jimmy, any lines on this one or anything from this game you would imagine a PSG win?
2: Oh, a hundred percent. I think Marseille is a dumpster fire right now. I do think though that this game is different. It's a Derby. There's a lot of emotion. And I do think that Marseille, given all the stuff that's been happening, will be up for it in some capacity. Now it's just a matter of the quality of PSG wearing them down. So I think Marseille will find a goal somewhere, but Neymar in particular, doesn't like Alvaro Gonzalez, the the defender for Marseille, with even their little history. <laughs> that's that's and spat. an understatement. That's an understatement. And <laughs> given that it's his birthday, you know, it will be his birthday uh, on Friday. Uh, or when have you guys listened to this? Fridays will be his birthday. And and I think he's going to want to give himself his own best birthday present. I think Neymar to score, PSG to win in both teams to score is plus 280. That's where I'm leaning because Neymar loves like rubbing it in Marseille's face. And, and given the fact that Marseille aren't in a good way right now, he's going to really, I think, double down on that.
1: There you have it. By the way, Neymar said he, he doesn't think he'd ever play in the Premier League. Is that right? Did he say that,
3: JJ? He did. Uh, it was a, an interview, I think, with the Daily Mail through Poker Stars. So yeah, he was saying that he he doesn't think, I mean, he could he could see himself potentially say in a city like London, but in terms of the football, uh, it's not somewhere that, that he sees himself being. And obviously he's very happy in, uh, in, in Paris with the, the PSG project. And I think a lot of that now is down to the fact that He's known for quite a while that that door is firmly shut on a return to Barcelona, which is why he's so focused on trying to get PSG to get Messi to Parc des Princes.
1: Interesting. I wonder if, uh, because I've been thinking Man City, Messi is just a no-brainer, but I'm wondering if PSG now is possibly getting closer. Uh, All right, well, that's our weekend preview My God, the longest one yet, but the most worthy one. So worth
2: it. So absolutely. Hey,
1: listen, final thoughts from both of you, Jimmy. Let's begin with you as we look ahead to another crazy weekend.
2: Yeah. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I hope that you guys eat thousands and thousands of calories and it's worth, it's worth it. Every cent of it, every second of it is worth it. (laughs) JJ, final thoughts. (laughs)
3: Yeah, likewise, hope everyone enjoys the Super Bowl. Don't forget to check out my interview with Genk in Finland's Jere Urenen, where he talks about his love for American sports. Interestingly, he could have uh, taken up a career in ice hockey uh, before deciding to go down the the soccer route, obviously. Uh, We can say that that one worked out for him well, uh, You know, playing his trade in uh, in Belgium alongside Mark McKenzie, who's just joined from Philadelphia Union. That was a really cool interview, and I hope that everyone enjoys that pre-Super Bowl reading.
1: I love it. Yes, please make sure you check it out on cbssports.com on our soccer vertical. Jonathan Johnson, thank you so much, bud.
2: Thanks a lot, guys. Jimmy.
1: Jimmy, thank you so much, buddy.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. See you guys on Sunday.
1: Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. We're on Spotify and Stitcher. And guess what? We have our own YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com forward slash Make sure that you see all the videos uh, from these shows. Have a great, great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Please don't have any parties. Make sure that you are safe, you are healthy, you socially distance, but most of all, enjoy all the action from the weekend. See you next time. Okay, picture this.